Best Book Bits podcast brings you Freya Stockman, founder of Get Psyched, an e-learning platform for university students, brain stimulation researcher, professional photographer, and yoga lover. Freya, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No worries. Now, for an audience uh, who don't know who you are, take us back to the 18-year-old Freya when you finished high school. Uh, who were you? What's your story? And how did your journey unfold to where you are today? <laughs> That's a huge question. Um, oh, 18-year-old Freya. She was, uh, I guess, feeling quite unsure about her future and um, didn't do too well at uh, high school. She wasn't actually that academic um, as she later turned out to be. Um, and I just sort of was struggling to think about what university degree I was going to funnel into because I didn't really have many options. <laughs> um, and I just kept thinking, what's the, like, what's the only thing that I'm enjoying at the moment, which was my psychology units at high school. So I just tried to get my way into a psychology course at, uh, university. And, um, yeah, I guess I, you know, I had my, a couple of best friends um, I was quite insecure, didn't really know who I was, was always trying to find myself and other people. So I guess, yeah, I guess I was a typical teenager just trying to party, make friends and, um, yeah, find herself. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that was 18-year-old me. I didn't really have any hobbies. Um, yeah, I, I, I was definitely like more, I wasn't as multidimensional as I am now with all of my interests and things that I get up to now. Yeah, got it. And I understand we all start from somewhere and I can relate with uh, not being too academic when I when I was 18 myself. Uh, I, I never I never really hit the books until I was sort of 21, 22 and obviously self-education and once you sort of get going and realise that education is not a school thing, education is a self thing, uh, yes. it really take, takes the next level. So what, what was your first steps when, when you left school? You went to university, you did psychology. Where did the, um, what came first, photography or uh, the travel? I want to want to find out which one came first on that. Yeah, so um, actually I, so photography really came um, out of the woodworks for me as a way of, um, I guess, soothing myself and finding myself. I nearly dropped out of university because I wasn't doing very well. I was very lost, hanging out with the wrong people. I was dabbling with drugs. There was a lot of instability in my self-identity. So I guess everything from 18-year-old Freya kind of carried through until I was about 19, early 20. And at the time, I felt, I guess, really deeply unsettled about the fact that I didn't have anything to put any of my energy into after uni or after work. I just sort of felt like I would watch TV and I didn't really have that much to talk about. And photography for me was my stab in the dark at going, you know, I really want to explore my creativity. And a friend of mine, she invited me to come along to this photo shoot with a bunch of dancers. Um, it was a very like hippie, esoteric kind of situation. They were all like nude dancers painted fully head to toe. And we were out in the middle of the, I guess, say it, wildlife and nature in this big, beautiful park out past Ventry Gully. And I just borrowed her camera. It was a super basic camera. And I just took a bunch of photos, didn't know what I was doing with the settings. And I just fell in love with it. I was like, this is exactly what I want to be doing. Like, this is so fun and creative. And at the time I had zero skills, like technically I had zero experience, but I just thought, you know what, I'm going to buy a camera and I'm going to make this happen. Like, I remember it was probably... 
yeah, when I was late, I'm 19-year-old, I'd just sort of been found out by my parents for doing drugs and I had just dropped out of university and um, it was just, it was just a terrible time, but actually in the best way possible, it was the best time because that's when I really found out what I was like made of. So, you know, um, instead of dropping out and pursuing photography as a career, I just thought, you know what, this is going to add to my life. I'm going to go back to university. I'm going to hit the books. I'm going to work harder than other people. I'm going to work out what this whole academic thing is about. I'm going to become good at this, this degree and I'm going to do photography on the side. And for a whole year, I, all I did was I was either in the library for eight to 12 hours a day and going to photography workshops on the weekend. And, um, yeah, for me, photography saved me, I think when I was in a really dark place. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. As, as you know, I'm, I was a, I'm a photography enthusiast and a, also a, a part-time photographer. I only take photos of the family and the kids, but, um, yeah, I totally understand. And I think it's a massive self-awareness that you could say at that age that yet yeah, I found my passion, but I'm not going to pursue it full-time instead of I'm going to do it part-time. And then I'm actually going to go full-time on my academic career. But yeah, talk to us a little bit about how you started with and founded, uh, your company, uh, which is the e-learning company called Get Psyched, and what was your journey from going to um, university, uh, graduating with honours, and then getting into the field of sort of brain stimulation? How does that sort of uh, segue in? Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, definitely. Um, please feel free to get me back on track if I go on tangents and nah, forget please, half, no, the other half of your question. Um, so essentially while I was studying, um, I – started to seek a tutor because I myself, um, you know, get sucked is all about tutoring and helping people, um, get better at their writing and statistics, which are the core fundamental skills that hold people back from becoming therapists because it's so demanding, um, the coursework. And I was sort of in a similar position, you know, I, I didn't really have that grade of a grade and the, the penny dropped for me. I was like, okay, I'm entering third year. This is my last year to really make stuff happen. And my grades were sitting around like 60s to 70s, which wasn't very impressive, especially because you had to hit above 80s, 85s to get into honors and then to get into masters. So I quickly realized that I was sinking rather than swimming with this degree. So for me, I had to do back-to-back -back summer schools and third year. So I did essentially two years in one year. <laughs> uh, it was pretty hectic. And for me, getting a tutor was the game changer, getting someone to help me realize, oh, actually I can learn how to write well. I can learn how to apply statistics. It's just that the university system is flawed and that there's discrepancies in exactly what they teach you to help you be successful with the coursework. So um, I just quickly went from fluctuating from low 60s to like consistently getting above 80 across all my assignments, which was amazing. And I just turned into a different person, like my confidence, my sense of self or my ego, like it, not in a bad way, but just a sense of heck yeah, I've actually got this. Like I could actually become a psychologist. So I became really, really obsessed over achievement. Um, so for me, achievement kind of became part of my identity, you know, like, okay, what else can I achieve? How else can I push the needle and go further? So at the end of my third year, um, I'd networked, I'd made a lot of relationships with professors and lecturers and to the point where, yeah, they just knew me personally and I was hand-selected for 
my fourth year honors program, which was in brain stimulation and neuroscience, because that's where I flourished. I just, you know, psychology is great, but it can be a bit fluffy and hard to kind of wrap your head around. But for me, I was like, you know, this part of the brain does this, this, this impacts how you think and feel in this area. It was just really tangible for me to latch onto. So I got really fascinated with more the biological side of psychology. And my fourth year was great. Again, I had multiple tutors that I lent on for support and mentorship that gave me that reassurance to keep pushing forward. And I ended up graduating with like a nearly at the top of my class with H1 honors. Um, and I was the one teaching other students in my cohort, the, like I was reteaching the content to them to help them with their statistics and with their writing. And people really lent on me as like a leader in the group. Um, so I really helped everyone around me. I didn't just want success for myself. And through teaching, I solidified what I knew, right? The, when you teach, when you have to try and explain it to someone else, that's when you really learn how to simplify really heavy content and then the heavy content becomes easier for you to understand. So I guess that kind of just opened my eyes that maybe I could actually do teaching myself, but it was this idea in the back of my brain. It wasn't something I really thought about. I was so um, determined to get into masters or de-psych, which is like a PhD mix with masters. Um, I don't know why I wanted to do that. I think the achievement of in academia, it gets a bit addictive and you get part of the system and then you think that you just want to keep studying and studying. So, um, yeah, I guess for me that opened my eyes to the power of tutoring. It's not just helping someone with their grades. It's actually helping people realize what they're capable of. And then I, you know, it's, it's self-actualization, it's coaching, right? So there's coaches out there for real estate agents, there's coaches out there for fitness. For me, I, I found that there's actually coaching for self-confidence in your ability to communicate ideas scientifically and how that feeds back into your sense of self. Like, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it really made a massive impact on me. So, um, I guess, I started doing tutoring after my fourth year. I started just casually picking up students and then I realized I was actually quite good at it. And I had a lot of my students going on to masters and PhD and they sent me gifts. So that was sort of planting the seed that maybe I should start a business in tutoring, but it laid dormant for four years before I actually started. Um, yeah, I guess, have I gone off on a tangent? Can no, you, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was perfect. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, we'll continue to unpack it, but a couple of thoughts I had. So, number one, you said about uh, tutoring, uh, which is another word for mentorship. It's another word for being an apprentice as well. What people don't realise, and especially in university, it's sort of a fake environment. And when I say fake environment, normal in life, you can speak to anyone who might be a couple of chapters ahead of you and you can get advice and you get understanding. Just like if you're, if you're a tradesperson, you become an apprentice and you work with a, a qualified trade, they call them master builders or whatever they are. And they learn from the master who are one or two chapters ahead or even five, 10, 20, 30 years ahead as well. And I think that's life. I mean, you know, having kids myself, understanding that they're at an age where they're growing and we've all been at that particular age before. You can see from a 45 foot, um, you know, 45,000 feet high view that you know where they're going. But in university, I can imagine that sometimes people get stuck with a question, with a semester, with a, 
with a you know a particular uh, a curriculum or course and it's having someone like yourself to say hey let's just break it down let's unpack it let's go through it this is not what you're thinking about and then once you get their head right you know you can really confidence comes with confidence so once you give that person that confidence as you said before you you, you personally get that confidence to go on to achieve other things and then having those small wins sets you up for those bigger wins as well and you go okay what else can i tackle what else can i do so yeah congratulations for you know finding out that and you know finding your passions in, in tutoring and i think now fast forward you've um you know you've tutored over 280 students in your psychology business and it's allowed you to sort of go online and we can we can unpack that soon as well but yeah that that's what i got from it so you know tutoring mentorship apprenticeship it's 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 what life's all about helping other people uh that are a little bit below you or a little bit stuck in a bit of a rut as well yeah yeah it's 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 exactly that it's the um i guess it's a weird metaphor to link back but it's like the gateway drug to more success like you know small wins leads to big wins and um I've, that's been the case for me now i'm kind of addicted to working out exactly how much I can achieve or how far I can go in so many areas of my life. And it all started from tutoring, which is so crazy for me to think about. <laughs> um, so that's the, that's the whole metaphor or not metaphor. What's the word? That's the whole, I guess, philosophy behind why I'm so passionate about my get psyched business, you know, and that's the whole, that's the whole name, get psyched. Like, how can we elevate someone's sense of self-confidence? How can we elevate their career options? Um, and, you know, they might not even end up doing the career that they set out to do, but they'll end up entering the workforce or maybe starting their own business like me and impacting a whole lot of people in a lot of positive ways that all extends from self-confidence. Without that, people don't really strive forward. And I think that's a massive problem for a lot of people and why people don't feel like they're self-actualizing. They feel depressed and anxious for the future. So yeah, we help people with their anxiety as well and help them get a bit more sense of control that they actually can do what they set out to with goal setting and, and applying themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to go back to sort of your professional work and working at the hospital and managing sort of clinical trials and, and co-authoring a book as well. I'd like to sort of unpack that about um, the you know autism spectrum um, uh, book as well. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, so I guess straight out of honors, uh, I was really trying to plant my feet in some sort of job. Um, you know, my supervisors were trying to push me to go into post-grad straight away. And I was like, Nope, I'm going into the workforce. I want to earn some money. I want to get some experience. I want to get a publication. Um, and I just kept putting my hand up in terms of the publication. I just kept putting my hand up with my supervisor I want opportunities. I will work for free. I will work across multiple studies. I'll volunteer my time outside of full-time work. I want to be a published author. So I really put my hand up. And I think the only reason I was able to put my hand up was because I had a bit more of confidence and I'd really networked and I had a sense of security in those relationships. And my supervisor just sort of opened the door for me. And he said, you know, there's this international book collaboration um, that we're working on at the moment as part of Deakin and uh, researchers all around the world. We're all contributing to a chapter. Each lab is writing a chapter and, uh, you know, ours is chapter eight and we're focusing on doing a review of all of the different brain, stimula brain stimulation methodologies in relation to autism spectrum disorder symptoms in children. 
And he said, do you want to be a part of that? And I said, yes, this is what I've been asking for. <laughs> so I just, yeah, took on the challenge. It was a bit daunting, but um, I worked really closely with the girl who was a friend of mine called Denisha. And um, yeah, we just worked on that for um, a couple months. Uh, so I did a review of the literature. I looked through um, thousands of papers. Uh, I created the results table. Um, and Denisha wrote up, um, a lot of the content and I contributed to that as well. And yeah, it, it, it wasn't a massive project, but it was very rewarding and fulfilling because we were only doing one chapter out of a whole book, but to know that we were contributing to our area of expertise from our lab, and that was going to form part of a bigger project was really exciting. Um, and so, yeah, and you know, fast forward one year later, I was at a, I was at a festival. I was dancing with my friends. There wasn't very good reception. And I just got this ping on my phone from my email saying that the book had been published and I looked it up online and I saw it. I saw the front page. I saw my name in the, in the, I guess, credits for the different chapters. And I just, yeah, I bawled my eyes out of, with excitement. I just couldn't believe it. Um, so that was really cool. And since then, I've gone on to be a co-author of um, three more publications as part of my line of work at the hospital. So, uh, yeah, I've worked, I've spent the last four years working with many different forms of brain stimulation, um, electrical stimulation, magnetic stimulation, uh, and we've used it across different clinical populations. So people with Alzheimer's disease um, who are experiencing really extreme levels of functional um, impairment on, in daily activities as well as memory impairment um, and also fibromyalgia so chronic pain that doesn't really have a cause or like there is a cause but it's very unclear as to what it is um, and then also working with depression OCD our lab just our thing was brain stimulation as well as some um, psychiatric medication that we were developing um, but yeah, that, that's been my career for the last four years, which has been super eye-opening, you know, doing suicide risk assessments and talking to people who are extremely vulnerable, um, doing clinical interviews with hundreds of people and seeing patterns in all of the things that they kind of have in common in relation to a condition and thinking, oh, okay, now I really understand the theories, like all the different theories behind why this person might be experiencing what they are. and. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a really amazing job. Like, you know, to go to a, like a party and tell people what I do for work and just see their eyes like open wide with confusion. Like, how did you get there? Like, tell me more about that. Well, what I want to like, know, yeah. I, I want to simplify it for my audience who might be sitting back going, wow, this all sounds very clinical, all sounds very, you know, hospital speaks, so to, so to speak. Any yep. tips, like, no one talks about brain health or like what do you know about the brain or the, the human mind that, you know, some people might not know that they could apply in their daily life for better better mental health or better brain health or or any any facts or any tips that people can take away from this conversation? Yeah, I guess, um, yeah, I guess from a scientific point of view, um, I have to probably be diplomatic with my response because... Um, I don't want to mislead people to think that there's necessarily like, a, like, like one specific method or something like that. You know, there's so much research out there that conflicts across so many different areas. 
um, a lot of people would ask us this specifically in relation to how can I prevent Alzheimer's or how can I maintain brain health and memory and uh, all of these things that det uh, deteriorate or fade with age and then in these clinical conditions that pop up. Um, and I guess like from my anecdotal position, so um, definitely just from my personal opinion, not necessarily like the research because it's very varied, um, I would say I think honestly social interaction is huge. Um, social engagement um, stimulates your brain. If you isolate yourself, um, there's a lot of research out there that says that isolation and um, causes increased levels of cortisol and stress, and stress can, over a long period of time, cause um, the shrinking of brain matter. Um, so, um, you know, engage with people, um, love your networks, love your family and friends, uh, and do that for as long as possible. Don't, you know... Um, I, yeah, that's why I think isolation over the last two years with COVID has been so problematic. Um, you know, we're, we're social creatures. So, um, yeah, social stimulation is huge. Physical activity, you know, it impacts your hormones. It impacts the way that you think, your neurotransmitters. If you're, it stimulates endorphins and people kind of take it for granted. But if you're not, um, in regards to anxiety and depression, you know, if you're not eating well, if you're, you're not getting your vitamins, if you're not exercising, if you're, you know, you're not really giving yourself a fighting chance to actually have a level of stability within your hormones and neurotransmitters that might be offsetting or causing imbalance in the way that you're perceiving yourself in the world. Um, and I guess another thing, you know, what, one of the things that I, I've really taken away from my time working in this field, uh, one of my colleagues, he specialized, Dr. Neil Bailey, he specialized in meditation and how this impacts the brain and the stuff he was doing and the things that he was identifying through brain scans and, um, fMRI was just mind boggling. And I think you'll really love this. And I think I've actually had personal conversations with you about this. The fact that, um, meditation actually has been found to redirect blood flow in the brain um, away from areas that cause rumination or are associated with ruminating thoughts. So, you know, your mind, your mind racing, your thoughts going round and round, um, that really prevents your ability from staying rational or not allowing your emotions to get the better of you, which I think a lot of people struggle with. So meditation can actually starve those brain regions, weaken those neural pathways and, it's redirected to a part of the brain that regulates your body temperature, um, your homeostasis system. So it kind of, it's giving you more of a fighting chance at getting more of a hold on um, your mind, which might be working against you, which is a huge reason why I'm pursuing yoga and meditation and have been as part of my daily practice, but why I'm wanting to immerse myself in a new experience that really focuses on that as the heart of your life and your daily practice. Yeah, well said. Um, just a just a single um, just to put all that together for you. So some of the things I got from that social interaction, which is huge. You know, people have everything you need. People are superior um, to everything, and I think COVID's really taught us that. That hang on a sec, when you take away people from us and you actually force us not to interact with people, it's definitely something that we need as not only as an individual, but society and, and also mental health as well. Um, the other thing I got from that was 
yeah, the, the cortisol and stress, we, which is huge. Meditation's like a mental bath. I mean, we all we all <laughs> need to we all need to find balance, uh, we, which is amazing. Now, let's segue to what you're going to do now. So, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the show now is not just what you've done in in such a short time frame as well. Uh, we spoke about the the photography, but what a lot of people don't know, you're actually a travel photographer as well, and you've got some uh, works, and you've actually some of your works have been even shown in New York in some of the art shows as well. I want to talk about what your next journey is in life and how you've quit your job and now you're literally unemployed and about to go work at a yoga retreat for free and earn no money having an online business that's super successful. So talk to us about the travel photography and how that led into what your next stage of life is all about. Yeah, so um, I traveled to, I've only traveled to two countries, but I spent, um, you know, five weeks in both. So a lot of people hop around but I went to India and Turkey in the same year in 2019 uh thank god because we went into lockdown in 2020 it's never really been the same since um but yeah I, I my camera became my way of connecting with people uh you know walking around didn't matter if there was a language barrier I would you know point at my camera and say can I please take a photo of you or I would be more of a fly on the wall and taking more broader photos when of just the, the scene, but I did take some really amazing portraits of people and I always got their permission. They all, they always nodded and said, yeah, sure, go for it. Um, and for me, like, you know, I think a lot of the people I was traveling with kind of looked at it in awe because here they were sort of just meandering through the streets and feeling a bit disconnected from the people in it. They were more just passing through, whereas I was beelining for people and connecting with them and having a laugh even if we couldn't really communicate um, with the same language. So um, for me, photography, yeah, is the portal to human connection. And um, I start, wanted to run my own art exhibition um, for my photography in India, which was going to happen the day we went into lockdown at the start of 2020. So that was pretty deflating. But um, I just copped that on the chin. Maybe I'm not meant to have my art exhibition now. Maybe it's meant to be bigger and better in the future. Um, and... I created a coffee book table, which I sold just to sort of friends and family as a prototype and people loved it. And, um, it, and yeah, I guess for me, the, some of the photos I took in India, they got published through national geographic, which actually, um, I got the notification that that happened the same weekend. I got the notification about the book being published for autism spectrum disorder. So that was a really big weekend for me. Um, but yeah, and it kind of just, again, the, you know, going back to little wins, right? These things just sort of showed me, hang on, what more am I capable of? Could I actually become a successful professional photographer? Could I actually design my own destiny, create my own lifestyle around my passions? And both of those moments kind of signified to me, hang on, yeah, you you need, you know, networking, people are the answer, people open doors for you, taking photos of people and, um, you know, it's interesting, that will open doors for you, um, you know, working with fashion designers and getting my work featured in New York was only because I had very close relationships with fashion designers who were then going to the New York Fashion Week and were showing my work as part of their runway shows and part of their um, promotional marketing. So, it yeah i think um for me that was that's where i want to go i want to create my own lifestyle i want to have a flexible business that is online that i can 
take with me anywhere. But not only that, it gives people who work with me the opportunity to do the same. You know, they're tapping into an online system just like I am. Um, and I'm helping students all around Australia in rural parts, in Wollongong, in Queensland, um, in Victoria. So for me, um, it's improve. It, everyone's winning and it's feel good business and I can take it anywhere. And the same with photography. All I need is my camera, um, you know, going, moving where I'm going to move. I'm planning to build connections around Sydney with models, with photographer, uh, other photographers, with fashion designers. And yeah, I just see where it takes me. So leaving my job has been a massive, um, you only live once moment for me, which I've been working up to for the past three years, really. Um, and now I'm four days out from leaving, um, moving out of Melbourne, um, being officially unemployed. Well, technically I already am. Um, but yeah, like you said, I've got my business and I'm just going to put all my energy into that. And, um, I guess, yeah, this will be a really unique gap year for me. I'm essentially riding off all of next year in terms of a full-time job. Um, I might come back to it, but I'm really going to explore and give myself every chance of lifting off and doing my own thing. So, um, I guess I'm doing a work holiday, working holiday, but on my own businesses. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's beautiful. So tell us about where exactly you're going. So you're going to a, a yoga retreat. What's it about? Why are you going there? What are you going to do when you're there? And, um, how does it all work? Cause I'm interested in going to a retreat myself. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so d definitely. Um, well, okay. So I'm going to a place called Govinda Valley and it's in the heart of Wollongong, a beautiful part of the world where the jungle or marine forests meet the ocean. Um, and it's a three month program. So I'm actually going to immerse myself in a three month program of intensive yoga and meditation. So there, you know, get everyone gets up at the same time earlier in the morning before the sunrise to do yoga and meditation. Then we all eat together. We have breakfast together. You then, um, you have your active service in exchange for a food and accommodation. Um, you know, for three to four hours, you work in the garden. They have, it's completely self-sustained property. So all of the food you're actually gardening to produce food for the kitchen. So, you know, then the kitchen will cook organic vegan food um, for yourself and, and any guests who come and are paying their way to experience what you're experiencing. Um, so that's pretty cool. It's essentially a free holiday, um, in my opinion, and the experience is worth a lot of money that people pay for. Um, and you become part of this community. So you eat all your meals together. You do all your meditation, yoga together. Um, you do chanting. You do prayer and um temple uh i guess time like you spend time in the temple praying and you know it's not compulsory but it's all the things i'm going to put my hand up for because i'm quite spiritual and uh i really want to immerse myself in this place of spirituality and gratitude and a simple peeled back lifestyle and part of it for me is you know, it's, it seems like the most low risk way to leave my job. You know, the business is doing well, but you know, businesses still fluctuate. You have like, you know, quieter seasons, busier seasons. For me, that's definitely the case, um, with students. A lot of students kind of die off around this time, but then it really picks back up as the year progresses. So, you know, how, what better way to leave your job than to live in a place where you're not paying for your rent 
and food and it's really, really good food and it's a beautiful, beautiful place surrounded by rainforests. Um, yeah, I just wanted to immerse myself in a place that was going to make me healthy, uh, healthier. Um, I'm probably going to make a lot of friends. I'm probably going to learn a lot about gardening, organic farming, cooking. Um, I'm probably going to come away with daily rituals that are way more strengthened and I'll work on my business in my free time on a daily basis too. So who knows where the business will take me now that I'm not trying to also juggle full-time work. I'm, I'm jealous. I, um, I do want to come, uh, not for three months, but I'd love to visit for a weekend, maybe a, a three-day weekend. I think one of the things you should, that's, you should come. <laughs> I think one of the things that's going to be interesting for you is it's you're going to turn off that side of the brain, which has been running for many years now on that, you know, high demand neuroscience and then your psychology business and tutoring. You're a very high functioning entrepreneur, uh, a young entrepreneur, especially a female entrepreneur as well. It's going to be very interesting for you to quiet that noise down and then really tune in with the self. So I'm, I'm interested to see what you get from that as well. And how are you going to document the journey? Are you going to do a, a, another photography book? Are you going to journal? How are you, how are you going to capture the, um, the three months? Yeah, so um, I'm planning to uh, write a blog, um, keep an online blog. I'm going to take photos, take my camera with me. Um, yeah, I'll document the whole experience. For me, I get a lot out of documenting. Um, it kind of immortalizes experiences so that you can always look back on it um, or that you can show the experience to someone else. So, yeah, I'm planning to write about my experiences, my the way that my mind or emotions change, the way that I see the world. I'm going to document the progression of the business and the challenges that I might face. Um, and then, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think it's totally possible that I could write a book about this and I think it might be something of worth that for someone to read, um, depending on yeah what they're interested in. Um, I guess, yeah, it'll, it'll, I'll just be documenting a pretty unique experience, which is essentially living on a commune, um, in a commune, um, living that yogi lifestyle um and in the heart of australia really it's not actually that far away you don't have to necessarily go to bali to find these kinds of special utopian places um that are kind of just off to the side <laughs> yeah i think it's a, it's gonna be a massive trend in the future i know myself and a few friend of mine's as uh friends of mine as well are trying to put together these retreats that you know australia has some amazing beaches and some amazing rainforests and forest as well uh where these uh, beautiful spaces can sort of uh grow and exist from as well so i'm looking forward to sharing the journey with you through the blog um now while we're here where can people find you online or where can people sort of follow your story and your and your next steps in the journey what what's the what's the website or, or where do you spend time online yeah uh, so I guess, yeah, my website where I'll be posting my blogs will be my, uh, get psyched, um, tutoring website. So, um, www.getpsychedtutoring.com. Um, you can find my blog there. Uh, I've also got, uh, my Instagram account. So I've got my photography account, which has a lot of my fashion and travel work on there already, but I'll definitely be documenting, um, my experience, um, on the retreat. So that's, uh, my, I guess my handle is, um, shots by Freya. So I guess, yeah, um, shot, yeah, shots <laughs> by Freya. Um, and yeah, I also have my website shots by Freya. So, um, the, I guess those would be the key things, you know, across Instagram and my website. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I do possibly have plans to, you know, 
create reels or get on TikTok as well and post little like um, journal or like buy it, like little entries on my phone, me just talking about my experiences. So um, yeah, I got, I need to, I guess like nut out exactly how that's all going to operate, but definitely my Instagram account will have um, some updates on it on a regular basis and the blog. Yeah. Sounds cool. Yeah. So I'll put the, the links in the show notes as well. And uh, a couple last final questions before we cap off. Here's a good one. Now, if you were to host a dinner party, like come dine with me, three people from the past, dead or alive, who would they be? What, what would you serve them or where would you take them? So three people, dead or alive from the past, dinner party. Oh my gosh, Shoot. Michael, that is, that is such a tough question for me to answer. Um, okay. Who would I want at my dinner party? Oh my gosh. Um, so dead or alive? Yeah. Okay. Um, I would love to have dinner with Tony Robbins. Um, for me, you know, going to Tony Robbins events has changed my life for the better. So that's been a massive part of who I am at the moment. Um, so I'd love to have dinner with Tony Robbins. Um, oh, who else would I want to have for dinner? Can you come to dinner? <laughs> yeah, I can, I can, I can, I'll, I'll be there. Me and Tony. Yeah. Michael comes to dinner. Um, uh, who else? All right. Um, I think I would love to meet with, um, I, I would love to meet with, uh, one of the, I forget, I forget his name, but I, I see a lot of his content and, um, he's a, one of the original yogi, um, spiritual mindfulness sort of Maharaji. Creatures. Was it Maharaji? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I know him. Yeah, we're mates. So that would be cool. So me, Maharaji, and Tony Robbins, where would you take us and, and what what place would you take us for dinner? Or would you have a certain oh, okay. place? Okay, um, I would probably, uh, we would probably, you know what, we would actually probably have dinner at my place. I'd probably cook um, really nice, wholesome vegan food and we'd sit on the floor um, with blankets and pillows and, um, you know, my salt lamp and and we would just have like a really nice sort of atmosphere, really homey, um, really intimate. And, um, yeah. And we would just like sort of all be around a round table talking and, um, yeah, just sort of taking down the formality of sitting at, you know, a fancy restaurant, you know, for me, I'm all about connection, intimacy. So, um, that's sort of the experience I'd want you guys to have. And Sounds good. That would facilitate the best conversations i'll bring a bottle of red wine that's 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 perfect now what's um what's the last message you want to leave my audience with um if you were speaking to sort of the 18 year old freya what would what would you say to yourself going back what's one last message um i would say that um just keep going um you know try to try to de distangle um, detach from your emotions, try to detach from your, your identity and, um, give yourself full freedom to explore who you are and not be bound by who you think you should be or who you are right now. Um, cause that will really limit you. And I would say that, um, people are, are a lot kinder than you think. Um, there's a lot of good people out there. So just make as many connections as possible and, um, stop, don't focus so much on, what someone else can give you, but focus on what you can give others, um, how you can make them laugh as opposed to whether you're happy and whether they're making you happy. Try and try and spread your own, your own value, your own joy. Um, and yeah, I think that's been the, 
thing that has carried me through all these years and try everything, just do everything. Like my biggest mantra is throw mud on the wall, see what sticks. And a lot of the time things will stick if you give it enough chance. Um, so, and yeah, be consistent. I guess those are my messages. <laughs> no, that, that's that's perfect. Thanks for being a, a great guest on the Best Book Beats podcast. And yeah, really appreciate your time and what you've done so far. And we look forward to sort of 2022 and, and see how you uh, unfold and unravel through the yoga retreat and all the spirituality work. And congratulations on all the success you've had so far. So Freya, thanks for being a guest on the Best Book Beats podcast. And yeah, look forward to following your blog. So for my audience, check out Freya. I'll put the links in the show notes. Uh, you can follow her at her website, getsightutoring.com or shots by Freya as well. So Freya, enjoy the rest of your day and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye. No problems. Bye.